Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. moment what a moment in time this will be recorded in the annals of history this is a pretty momentous occasion for myself for you probably not as much but this is a a really special episode i am recording it here on a wednesday as opposed to later in the week felt like a special show deserved a special opportunity in what's kind of a, a crazy week a crazy week in terms of kansas jayhawks basketball games three within the span of well the entire week tuesday thursday saturday and so i said whatever let's do this let's chat it's march unbelievable the minute the clock struck midnight on march 1st i guess the term would be with the minute the clock struck midnight on february get out of here terrible month short useless here's march I played that March Madness theme song from CBS slash Turner. You know, the newer one, the remix. It's crazy. Uh, they actually named this third month after the March Madness tournament. That's a, that's a true fact. And so here we are. Thanks to that momentous occasion here in this month, in this month that's named after that special event that tugs at our heartstrings, fills us with emotion, loses people a lot of money. <laughs> uh let's let's get down to it there's no better time certainly as a college basketball fan obviously it's so weird right as a kansas fan as someone who does the show and talking to mostly kansas fans and college basketball fans you know you watch college basketball over the course of a season you kind of get it you kind of get into routines right you watch certainly in big 12 territory and as a kansas fan You watch a lot of ESPN. You sort of know the three announcers you're going to see. Maybe there's one that pops up here. Maybe you're going to have a different one for a tournament back in November. Maybe a few Fox Sports, a little CBS. But you know Iron Eagle. You know know Kevin Harlan or Spiro Ditas, a great announcer for the Knicks. Does a lot of national work for CBS as well. And then once the tournament hits, it's like a totally different animal even uh, even conference tournament time relatively the same since it's still espn productions but it's in a neutral site it's three games in a couple days three or four games in that span of days and it's the whole nation paying attention and, and of course with march madness it's the the whole production it's charles barkley it's greg gumbel it's this oversaturated overproduced type of thing in its advertisements every three minutes because they can't dare keep the broadcast on the game when a coach calls a timeout. And it sort of throws you off a rhythm. It's not quite what you're used to. And so it's crazy. It's madness. And I don't know where that came from. (laughs) Jonas Nordman, Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Jay on the Believe podcast network. It might as well be the Believe Jayhawk network. 
goddamn right. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Here's what I believe. The show's sort of going to have, or this episode's sort of going to have like three parts to it. I want to start with a thank you. I want to start with a quick look at Baylor, what happened over the weekend. And then a quick little review slash preview of the Horn Frogs. Kansas, of course, going down to Fort Worth last night, getting their tushies court stormed after losing a final score of 74 to 64. TCU over the Jayhawks. Might record another episode later this week. Probably not. But um, I want to start with an apology as well. You know, no episode last week, didn't record last week. The schedule, my timing, my day didn't line up very well on Friday. And I also felt that this is a special episode. I want to put a little bit more into it. I figured I didn't want to waste an episode like this. And I figured you didn't want me just to come on and be like, hey, they're playing Baylor tomorrow. Big game, right? Like, you know, it was a big game. Big deal. They went on the road. It was a top 10 matchup. ESPN game day was there. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't need me to tell you that KU versus Baylor over the weekend was it was an event. And so I sit here right now. And if you want to get at me and let me know your thoughts on no show last week and what I have to talk about today on Twitter at Joe nasty 90 on Instagram at Jonas N three one Oh Jonas Nordman believe in Jayhawks basketball show. You've got it for this long because I do want to start with a thank you. This is the hundredth episode of the show. No best ofs, nothing like that. Um, it does fall kind of in an interesting time, right? Right here at the beginning of March before what hopes to be a deep March run for the Kansas Jayhawks. Although I doubt that'll happen as I've been saying all year. But if you remember the very first episode came a day or so right after KU and K-State got in their brawl in the field house. That was the 2020 season. I believe that was February of 2020. Felt like, you know, if I, to be real honest, it was really unfortunate. It felt like the show had some really good momentum. And then, of course, the tournament got canceled on a team that was an overwhelming number one seed for that Kansas Jayhawks team. Certainly would have gone on a run with that defense. I don't need to tell you that. We know that team was really good. But as a show, it, it was really tough to have what could have been a really momentum-building tidal wave of a March Madness run for that Kansas team just cut off. Of course, it's been a really tough era for all of us. And so what I'm doing is I'm thanking everyone who has listened to the show from that point through a pandemic without knowing when Kansas was going to play again you know, through a mediocre season last year, you know, through a show sometimes not happening. And look, I see the numbers. It's not a ton, but I see the numbers and I see it's a pretty consistent amount of people, which means I have very specific people to thank. So if no one was listening, I wouldn't be continuing. I like to think that some people are at least enjoying listening to this. And so um, 100 episodes down, hopefully hundreds more to go, but I really do appreciate anyone who even if it's just close friends who write and be like i thought that was a dumb point or i really appreciate i really thought that was interesting what you mentioned it all means a lot it really does uh so anyways that's the review of this show 
And in order to talk about the future and the present, we need to go back to the past, right? So what happened over the weekend? Kansas went to Baylor. Kansas went into Waco. Chip Gaines was there. His teeth were capped to the nines. It made me very uncomfortable. He had a whole Magnolia crew around him. They wore more Magnolia gear than they did Baylor gear. Uh, The biggest thing we learned or that we were able to emphasize is that Scott Drew is just too much. I just can't. Good Lord. I try to give him the respect he probably deserves as a national champion and as a guy who resuscitated a dying program, a dead program. But my God, what a weenie. Good Lord, Scott Drew is unbearable. No pun intended for the Baylor Bears. But his team is just playing a football game of a match. And like the second Bill Self gets a technical, which was a genius move, by the way, to fire up the referees and fire up his team. You know, the second one whistle goes against Kansas. Scott Drew is just like berating the refs and storming about. It's like, I can't believe this. And if you remember back to the game at the field house, Scott Drew came with a, a video montage for the ESPN crew talking about the missed calls the last time Baylor came to the field house. I mean, come on. You have ESPN Plus following your every move this year. You're a brand. You're a steady program at this point. They are. That's unfortunate to say, but they are. You're the defending national champion. Just chill out, dude. You suck. Anyways, in terms of the basketball game, So I went into the game and I was like, you know, Kansas maintained their two-game lead. The week that we're currently in right now, this three games within a week deal, this was always going to determine the Big 12 race. It was. There's a lot happening. You're facing two good teams. You're playing three games against two good teams. Kansas went to West Virginia, which is a tough trip, and they hosted K-State, which is a rivalry, and then maintained their two-game lead in the Big 12 before heading to Waco. That's a game you probably circle before the season saying, likely loss. No matter how good Kansas is playing, you knew Baylor was going to be good. That was just always going to be a tough one. So they lose the game. And I thought coming out of a potential loss in Waco, I'd be like, that's fine. Is it the worst thing in the world to go on the road, nationally broadcast game, you know, rabid home crowd going against you. Tough situation with the referees. So inconsistent. So inconsistent. It was terrible. And they come out of there with a loss. Not. It's really not the worst thing that's ever happened, right? In theory. But for whatever reason, once that game was finished, I felt a pit in my stomach. And I, I think it was because of the way the game was played. And I think it just really emphasized parts of the season and parts of this current iteration of the Kansas Jayhawks that I've been hammering on all year. And I just see the trends and like, I don't see national championship contender. It emphasized the problems that I have. First and foremost, the droughts. I mean, good Lord, this has been going on all conference season. Could almost say all season. Go back to the Dayton game, right? When they lost. The run 
went over the halftime break. It was something like 20 to four. Baylor went on a 20 to four run. Kansas was able to go into halftime leading by one, which based off of the performance, they probably deserved, but Baylor deserved just as much to be right there within striking distance. The first 10 minutes, I thought Kansas could have run away with that game. But the drought happened. Baylor adjusted. And I'll give Scott Drew this. Although Flo Thamba was probably the best player for Baylor through that 10-minute mark, what changed the game is when they put Jeremy Sochan, Sohan, got a little, got a little Hebrew right there, Sohan, as well as Kendall Brown. He had those two guys playing the center position. Kansas couldn't handle it. They were too big. They were too big for Mitch Lightfoot. Again, what, what does that say about Mitch Lightfoot as a center, as a viable big man? But they were also way too athletic for him. Same deal. And they were also able to dribble right around David McCormack, make things difficult. Drew him out to the three-point line, drive past him. I mean, Baylor didn't make a ton of threes. They only made three on the whole day. But Sohan made one of them, and that was with David McCormack right there in front of him, unsure on what to do, if he should close him out or if he should give him space. And so he buried that three-pointer right in his grill with his lime green hair. Good Lord. And not McCormack. But it was the droughts. I thought Kansas was poised to run away with this game. They had the energy. They were rebounding. And they hit one of their droughts. And that's when Baylor essentially closed it down, down by one. They had the lead pretty quickly early in the second half because Kansas, the drought was still continuing. And you know what? It happened again last night. So this is a big issue. Last night against TCU. Another issue I had that was very much emphasized, hitting free throws when it counts. Again, the free throw numbers for Kansas against Baylor were 15 of 20. Not the worst thing in the world. But if you miss like two or three in the first half, it's not a huge deal, right? That's a point here. That's a point there. You have a halftime deficit or you're only leading by a little less than you should have. But I remember distinctly, and I think it was at the under eight timeout, Kansas is down by three or four. And that's coming right off of the heels of back-to-back missed front ends of one-and-one free throw attempts. One was definitely by Jalen Wilson. The other, I believe, was Christian Brown. It was one of the starters because no one that came off the bench in that game attempted a free throw. But those are free throws that matter, and those are free throws that if they were made would have had Kansas in line with Baylor heading into an under-eight timeout which is essentially when it becomes really grit time. You got to get down to it. And it's happened all year. They didn't put away teams like Texas Tech. They haven't closed out games. They play more close games than they need to because they can't hit free throws when it matters. This is I'm going to be talking about that Texas Tech game a lot, I feel like, the one at home where it went to a double overtime when it shouldn't have. Because... I just want to make sure everyone realizes after that game, oh my God, 
the washing and the brown nosing of Kansas and Ochai Abaji, deservedly so for Ochai. Like, this is a national championship contender. Oh, my God, how gritty is this team? National player of the year. How clutch is he? No one actually sat down and thought, well, why did it go to overtime? If this was a team that knew how to close out a game or really had everything ironed out, that would have been a game won by about eight to nine to ten points in regulation. But drama doesn't garner likes online. People can't necessarily see past the moment. And here we are. The same issues are rearing their head, except this time they're losing the games. And the biggest issue is Kansas and this group in particular, well, that's who we're talking about, cannot get one defensive stop when it matters most. I thought back to each game this year, and when they've needed it, I don't think Kansas has gotten a defensive stop when they've needed it most once, save for the comeback win. I would, I think this is fair to say, against Kansas State and Manhattan. But even then, I believe they were bailed out by Nigel Pack pulling up from about 35 feet and taking a contested three, which they could have probably run offense and got a much better shot. Or you could have just run up like six more feet. But I think about Dayton. Clearly didn't get the stop there, right? What about the wins? Iowa State. Oh, no, Siri, be quiet. What about Iowa State, that crazy game at the Fieldhouse? Well, Iowa State hit a couple clutch shots that Kansas needed to go right back down and retake the lead because they weren't getting stops. Brockington hit, what, two? Hit two mid-rangers. Texas Tech, obviously, didn't get that key stop. Went to double overtime. And how about the Baylor game? Oh, Texas as well, right? Down in Austin. Couldn't get that key stop. Leading. And then the Baylor game. No, this wasn't a get a stop and you win the game. But this was a Kansas is down by three, one possession game, about a minute left. Like, the ball cannot go in the hoop. And what happens? Baylor ran a very simple pick and roll. Adam Flagler goes around. About two feet inside the three-point line. Easy money for a great shooter like him. A guy that Kansas held relatively in check all night. 13 points, 5 of 13 shooting. Didn't hit a three. I mean, that's huge when you're facing Adam Flagler. But he walked right into a jumper. No hand in his face. And he's way too good of a shooter. That might as well be a layup for him. Five-point game. Abaji goes down the other way. Misses a contested layup, even though he has great athleticism. And that's game. So that's why I had a pit in my stomach following Baylor. Because the perspective is, right, no, oh, he lost to a top 10 team. Now Baylor's number three. I'm not even going to talk about the rankings. It was so stupid. Despite all the mayhem that happened in college basketball this weekend. The writers are, I can't even. So you lose to a good Baylor team on the road, crowd and a fervor, no big deal, right? Yeah, but again, it's about how you lose a game. And that's what really concerned me. 
which brings us to last night's game, of course. <laughs> so Kansas loses to Baylor. Still, I guess, a half game up in the Big 12 because Baylor won on Big Monday, squeaked out a win over those Texas Longhorns that will be coming to the Fieldhouse this Saturday. And it was always going to come down to TCU. TCU was going to control how the Big 12 was either won or lost because Kansas has these two games against them in the span of three days. So the first one is in Fort Worth with that unbelievable horned frog statue out front. Oh, my God, I love that thing. It's so weird, but I dig it. Look, these are college teams with college mascots that don't necessarily fit your typical team name whatever. Build a giant horned frog statue. My God, that thing was hilarious. Outside of Skolmeyer Arena. Sounds like, speaking of which, some, some good Hebrews as well. And what an interesting game that was last night, huh? I mean, it boiled down to a pretty simple stat, did it not? Look at the rebounding numbers. Good Lord. TCU had 19 just offensive rebounds. Would you care to have a guess as to how many rebounds total Kansas had? Give you a second. TCU out-rebounded Kansas, of course, but 19 just offensive rebounds compared to Kansas's 35. I was actually setting it up because I saw that Kansas had 23. That was their 23 defensive rebounds. That's still actually terrible. The fact that TCU had 19 offensive and Kansas had 23 defensive rebounds. TCU 47 overall. That's crazy. TCU took 67 shots. They were 28 of 67. And they had 47 rebounds. 19 of which were offensive. And that performance was offensive. Because after you lose to Baylor, no big deal. Yeah, you go down to Fort Worth, and that was a stinker. With your Big 12 life on the line, that was a no heart. Because that's what rebounding is, right? It's heart. It's getting after it. Yes, TCU's athleticism was much better than Kansas's, which is a whole different thing I'm going to get to. But look at the numbers for certain players. Eddie Lampkin, the big, hulking, not the most in shape, center for TCU. I mean, he himself had four offensive rebounds, nine total. That guy cannot jump over a credit card, and he had nine rebounds. So that's effort. That's getting down, dealing with a big bully, and making sure something happens. That's guards coming down and gang rebounding. That's Abaji, that's Brown, that's Wilson. And you know what? That's Dewan Harris and whoever's playing point guard getting down there and doing whatever they can. Dewan Harris is such a good player at tipping the ball and reading things. Why don't you get in there and tip the ball to a teammate, huh? Don't worry. Dewan will get his comeuppance in just a moment. So if... Let's call him out of shape. Eddie Lampkin can get nine rebounds total. 
And how much did McCormack have? He had eight. How many did Mitch Lightfoot have? <laughs> Mitch Lightfoot in his 13 minutes had one rebound. And he was in there 13 minutes for Mitch Lightfoot. One defensive rebound. So a team is going in there and getting 19 offensive rebounds and your backup center getting 13 minutes only has one total. I think you see a problem here. Oh, good Lord. You know what? You know what really steamed me? And I mentioned this in the group chat I was in last night. Bill Self readily admitted after KU got steamrolled by USC. Yeah, we're not very athletic. We need to improve our athleticism. We need to get better. And you know what happened last night? The minutes saved for like two guys all went to the exact same players as last year's team. And they went up against a more athletic team in TCU and got hammered on the boards. And it was the difference in the game. I think that is a huge indictment on Bill Self. And I, I really do. His stubbornness is either going to win Kansas the national championship or a deep run, or it's going to cost him the first weekend. Because he's going with what he knows, and he better hope what he knows and what he trusts is good enough. I'm not entirely sure that's the case. Because what he trusts and what he knows is McCormack, Lightfoot, Dewan Harris. And those guys flat out don't get it done a good amount of the time. I'm going to say more times than not, but this is a team still with a winning record and a chance to win a Big 12 title. Here's what I'm going to say for Dave McCormack really quickly. He's playing his tushy off. The reports are he's playing essentially with one, one good foot and a half. And I'm not even sure it's that much. I'm guessing one of, one of his feet is just blasted right now. Remember he had ankle surgery or was it heel surgery in the offseason? He's never really recovered. He's out there and he is trying. But someone in a walking boot can still go out there and make open layups. All right? And he had about two or three egregious ones. And, like, if Dave the last few seasons had showed that he was a different player and a different person, different player. He seems like a fine young man. Maybe I give him the injury slack. But his whole career is made up of wildly flailing around, not making open layups, bringing the ball down when he should keep it up high and then dunking the ball. Right? By what that, I mean, he catches an entry pass, brings it down to his hip, which allows everyone to come and swipe at the ball or gives everyone a moment to recover and get back after him. It's an extra second that doesn't need to happen instead of keeping it up around his shoulders or above his head. Because despite his great athleticism, he apparently needs to, he still needs to gather. So because of all that, because he's the same player he was when he entered years ago, I, don't, I still don't give him that much slack. Lightfoot, he is what, it, what he is. Every single game, game in, game out. But the problem is, Bill Self's like, these freshmen who are more athletic and give me a little bit more, I'm not digging that. You know what the most damning stat is for Mitch Lightfoot last night? Lightfoot 
played 13 minutes and got one rebound. Zach Clements, the freshman, played maybe for 25 seconds. His playing time doesn't register even as a minute yet on the stat page. When it says minutes, it says zero because he was only in there for, like I said, 25, 30 seconds. In his zero minutes of play, he equaled the same amount of rebounds as Mitch Lightfoot. And he threw in a block for good measure and a bloody eye. And didn't play the rest of the game. That's an indictment. This freshman who apparently doesn't play defense well enough to not play at all, but can stretch the floor from the three-point line, gets in there and not even in one minute of play, not even one, equals the number of rebounds as your go-to number, your go-to number two big man. That's terrible. So here's my other big issue. So Remy Martin comes back against Baylor, and you're listening to Believe in Jayhawks basketball show and Believe Podcast Network. If you have any problems with what I'm saying, I'm guessing a lot of people don't. But if you do, uh, social media, huge. Remy Martin comes back versus Baylor. I was shocked. I didn't see the Twitter updates that he was warming up and doing 360 dunks against Baylor. Cool, he's back. Maybe this is a, a lightning rod off the bench and a a tool in the Kansas arsenal moving forward. But why does that mean that Joseph Yesifu now has to stop playing? So Joseph Yesifu only got 10 minutes against TCU. Against Baylor, he only played four minutes. What is that? Kansas finally had a rotation down. The thing I've been talking about the most this year, like how Bill Self doesn't really get the flow of his roster quite yet and can't figure out a rotation. Kansas was moving. They were playing with pace. They were getting up and down the court. The go-go Jayhawks were starting to fly. And part of it is because the speed of Joseph Yesifu and his athleticism and a little bit of three-point shooting, enough. More than another point guard that I'll get to in a second. I've already mentioned. But four minutes against Baylor. 14 minutes in two games. Let's put it that way. And I went back and I checked. He played 17 minutes versus Kansas State. Only 13 against West Virginia. But he played 22 minutes against Oklahoma State. That's his last three games. That's an average of 17 minutes the previous three games before the last two. And all of a sudden, you're taking out a guy who was somewhat of a key cog of your roster. A team with really bad depth, partially of the way it's been used. Like our good friend Nick Schwartz has mentioned this, like this team's only going to go as far as the starters take them because the depth is not there. But a guy who came off and made things happen off of the bench, you give 14 minutes to in these two losses, that seems like... It's not a coincidence, right? So the obvious comparison is to to Dewan Harris, a guy who gets somewhat dragged online. And I do, I really do feel bad. Like these are college kids. But you put yourselves out there 
you play on national TV, you want the opportunities, and you do now sign NIL deals, so you are somewhat getting paid for this opportunity. So the facts are the facts. So Joseph Yesifu compared to Dewan Harris. I talked about how Yesifu makes things happen off of the bench, scores a few, scores a little bit here and there. Not only did Dewan Harris not score a point last night, he only attempted three field goals, one of which was swatted. He scored eight points in his last four games. Zero points. In the last two, both losses. Dewan Harris made four three-pointers in the month of February. Not only that, they were divided evenly between two games. Two versus Texas, two versus Oklahoma State. Every other game in the month of February He did not make a three-point shot. Now you're going to say that's not his game. Didn't have the opportunity. Oh, he has opportunities. Offensively, Dewan Harris doesn't even get looked at by the other team's defense. They say, hey, they have a guy in the corner there. And you know what the coach says or the guy who's a defensive leader or whatever, the communication, they say, whatever. Don't worry about it. He attempted a three last night, got blocked. So those are just the numbers. Those are just the facts. Dewan Harris last night, 26 minutes, no points. Yes, he had seven assists. But he's out there for his defense, right? Well, guess what? This team sucks at defense. In two big games here as we head into March, they've given up 80 and then 74 points. Good thing they have a defensive stopper out there. Right? What would would be happening if they didn't have this quote-unquote defensive guru out there? (laughs) He's so good defensively, you know? Good thing we have this defensive guy out there as Baylor scores 80 and TCU puts up 74. (laughs) TCU scored 40 points in the second half last night. Don't give me defensive stopper. Baylor scored 49 points in the second half. Good Lord. At least he's out there because he plays good defense. Oh, that's good. I needed that laugh. Come on. Oh, and the game against Kansas State. Yes, Kansas scored 102. And it was a blowout, and it was never in doubt. I guess I should have done the show last week, but they gave up 83 points in that game. I mean, come on. Good thing they scored 102. If they had even an average night against K-State, they would have gotten whopped. They gave up 83 points, and everyone online is like, well, you can't stop this offense. Oh, 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 it's like, yeah, look what they did on the other side. Is this concerning, or is this just the flow of the game? And I think the next two games have given me my answer. But don't worry. 
They have a guy out there who's not going to score a point, but is a defensive stopper. Good Lord. I feel kind of bad, actually. I shouldn't do that to a kid. But come on. We're, it's, I'm recording the show on March 2nd. <laughs> and like, I feel like a lot of people who listen to the show on a regular basis probably know each show what I'm going to say because it's repetitive. And the issue in that is <laughs> I'm repeating it because it's the same stuff over the course of a season that started in November. I haven't thought this team is a true national championship contender except for two instances. The Michigan State game, which lo and behold was the first game of the year. And I think the first Baylor game, because in that game, what I saw was a team with pure effort and a concerted drive and a commitment to rebounding, which, as you noticed last night in the game that they lost, was not the case. I've seen more of that. And a team winning based off of their talent and athleticism and a Big 12 performer, player of the year performance by Ochai Baji all throughout the year. I think I'm, I'm up against it. I didn't even get to my point about Ochai. His numbers the last few games are not good. Some will point to exhaustion, and that was my initial reaction. But when I really sat down and thought about it, I don't think that's the case. I think he's forcing it. I think there's maybe something in his mind saying, I really got to lock down this Big 12 player of the year. Maybe he's gunning for national player of the year. I, I don't think he's the type of guy, as far as I can tell. But the types of shots he's making or taking, he's not making. <laughs> Run up, no pass, long three-point shots. Contested layups. You know, early in the shot clock stuff. When he sits there and shoots within the system, he'll get his 20 points. But he's just racing up with the ball after a rebound and launching. He's not Steph Curry. It's fine to say that. He's not Steph Curry. No one else is. So don't play like Steph Curry. Oh, try. In my last point, I sort of hinted at it. For a guy who's really athletic and glides through the air, Oche Abaji is actually really bad at contested plays at the rim had a couple last night I think of the layup that essentially lost Kansas the game against Baylor right after that play I talked about with Adam Flagler ran down there had a shot at the rim little contest right there in his face bricked it happened about two or three times last night as well so there you go that's episode number 100 a little fire and brimstone does the body some good. <laughs> but it's a huge week. I didn't even talk about Texas, right? That's how much I had to get off my chest for Baylor and the TCU games. Of course, Kansas gets right back at it tomorrow night on Thursday against TCU, and then it's no rest for the weary. Senior day, UT, burnt orange, the whole nine yards. Kansas takes on Texas. So I will end this 100th episode again with a thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'll say this with a little bit of perspective. This comes off probably as really sour grapes to the rest of the college basketball nation. Because when you really sit back and you put perspective on things, 
here's what you're looking at as a Kansas fan. This is still a two seed in the tournament, this group. And you still have two games at home with an opportunity to still win at the least a share of the Big 12 title, right? Because at the moment, Kansas is a half game behind Baylor, but they have that game in hand, meaning Kansas plays tomorrow on Thursday. And should they win, they'll be tied right there at the top of the Big 12 leaderboard. And if you win on Saturday, you've clinched at least a share. So it's all still to play for on your home court against, I guess, technically the state of Texas, TCU, and then UT. So there's your perspective. But I think when you pay attention all year long and these players and these coaches get by with so much, right? They are treated very well within the city of Lawrence. It's okay to hold feet to the fire and describe this group for what they are. Very limited, a team that can put up points, but not good defensively really at all. Struggles with athleticism, struggles with active and speedy and bouncy point guards. Think Marquise Noel of K-State. So it's all going to be matchups. It's going to be an interesting march. No, There's no perfect team out there for sure. Purdue lost last night as well, once again, uh, to Wisconsin. In fact, Purdue didn't even win the Big Ten. Wisconsin did. So, take care, everyone. Happy March. Hopefully the weather's okay where you are. I appreciate everything you have done to give me life to continue week after week to sit down and blabber. So, take care. Stay safe. Maybe I'll do one later this week. Probably not. But regardless... I'll speak with you next week leading up into conference tournament season and selection Sunday. We've almost made it. Thank you again. Take care. And as always, thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.